Sound check. Test. Add revenue index. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tyler and this is John. Hi. Hey guys. So, um, yeah, we, the podcast is growing really fast, John, and we are uh, self-proclaimed and it's mainly just because I can see the numbers of how fast our podcast has been growing, but we are the yeah. fastest growing podcast for publishers and side owners. So, yeah. congratulations to you and congratulations to me. People well, are actually listening to this thing. Well done us. Thank you for hanging in there guys yeah it's it's been great we've actually had a really uh, interesting week this week haven't we yeah we've had all kinds of uh really cool news uh we've had we had ohad on the show earlier this uh earlier this week yeah and uh he came to us from google so now we work with him on a daily basis and he shares his his googly stories with us all the time yeah we won an award our organization won an award for uh business innovation from from google the about, google business innovation award so for our technology about yeah. uh just basically using artificial intelligence to help publishers optimize their sites and then uh, we released a uh, the ad revenue index which is a really cool tool that maybe John I'll let you, you kind of maybe share with everybody a little bit about what that is uh, yeah I mean we, we just um, was it Dr. Greg that came up with the idea yeah I think Dr. It was. Greg our data scientist yeah that's right um, so uh, Greg's team they, they look at trends obviously when they're pulling in all the data and you know Artificial intelligence is basically lots and lots and lots of data points. You throw it all into this massive database and it crunches through everything and spits out the answer. And so he's always looking at these macro and micro trends and any correlations he can get. Um, and then he just said, well, look, without revealing how much people are earning on their individual site, we could index everybody together and show everyone how the whole is doing. And the marketplace. The marketplace. Add, add add revenue trends in the market. That's right. So it's not based on CPM, guys. It's not based on CPM. It's based. This is an index of how um, ads change in value over time. So it's not a monetary index. It's a, it's a, it's a so relative not the cost for buying ads. It's the actual earnings that a site is pulling in from that, the ads. Exactly. So yes, yeah, so it's a publisher metric. Again, we're, we're always focusing on those. And it is all about trying to understand: is it just me, or is it this the same for everyone? And the so this is like this is like the big common question that's out there. And so I was really pushing our data teams: like, hey guys, every day on Reddit, on uh, Quora, on all the different forums that are out there, people are always asking the question: of, hey, are is everybody's ad rates down, or you know, is it just happened to be me and my site? And so uh, at if you if you actually just go into Google and search ad revenue index, it'll be the first thing that shows up. Or you can go to uh, adrevenueindex.azoic.com, and you can see it. It's a it's it's pretty much just kind of an empty page with this boom big chart on the top that you can kind of just look and comb through and zoom in on, and you can see just all the different um, trends that have taken place. And it's actually really interesting. We'll kind of dig into some of like the trends overall, but you can see the market, like how how ad fl ad earnings fluctuate like yeah. over time. It's kind of some of the stuff that people have known for a little bit, but I think people will be surprised by some of what they see, honestly. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people, um, you get a feeling for, okay, here's the holiday. We've got Thanksgiving and Black Friday and then the run-up to Christmas. And everybody knows Q4 is going to be bigger than Q1 because it always has been, and that's the big holiday push. Um, 
but to see that as an index kind of gives you a bit of reassurance that, oh, hold on, what happens after the 12th of December? I've forgotten from last year. And most people, they've got very short memories for this, all, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. They're pulling their hair out going, why is my ad revenue going down? It's because the competition for your ads has gone down because there's less money in the market. So if you're a publisher that just has one site or maybe you even have a billion sites, it's it's a common feeling and a common thing that you see out there that even if everything has been fine and dandy for years, if you have one day that just happens to be down and out of the ordinary, it's like it panic sets in. It's like what could it be, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of can be something that like uh, kind of soothes you a little bit because you can go in and you can kind of see like how things yeah. happen over time like you know the the biggest example you just brought up is like is this big holiday rush so we don't see that it's the biggest spikes that we see over a period of time all year long it's you know towards the mid to late november you start to see ad rates go or the, the earnings go up and then right at black friday you see this like boom big it tops out for like a, a you know a couple days or that whole weekend actually it tops out and uh, what's really interesting, if you go back and you look at last year, uh, I think the index score was like 82 on Black Friday, and this year it was 100. So that it was the highest point that the index has ever recorded. So yeah. you can see that the high was this year's highest point, but then there was this big drop. I mean, it, I mean, in relative, it dropped down into the lower 80s. Then you know, after those couple of days, yeah. And we rank on our site because we have this great blog up on what to look for if your ad revenue, you know, numbers drop or something like that things to check and uh, that post got tons and tons of views that day and it's because you know side owners are seeing this drop from this high point they're like oh my gosh what happened is there something wrong with my ads exactly but it's actually what's interesting is that drop actually just brought them from from an index standpoint to where they were during the highest point last year so overall ad earnings are up this year but relative to maybe what you just earned a couple weeks ago they might be lower so that's the that's the pickle of of you know ad earnings in general right yeah and and it's funny because every summer it's the same you know the doldrums through i guess when the kids finish school sort of summer holidays people are they're online less they seem to spend less because they're probably on you know holiday vacations and then that continues until mid-August, and you can see that in the index as well. That that fee- and of course every year it comes around, and everyone's forgotten it from last year, and they were like, "Oh no!" And I think that the, this is something that people should be able to log into all year round and just see how am I doing, how versus everything else. And the more sites, you know, we've got tens of thousands of sites now in there. This is some good reliable data for global revenue from ad earnings, indexed to take out the edges. Uh, you know, smooth it out and you make it. Make you mentioned it. December twelfth, which is uh, I think it's something people are going. Well, wait a minute now. Uh, you know, that's that's coming right up here, December twelfth. That's you know, and uh, but you know the holidays are just you know you know generally late December, and so shouldn't that drop come in January? Uh, no, well, it's because people don't tend to buy my, many presents. You know, after the twenty fifth of. So the way that ad that, that's kind of that was something it was kind of like an aha moment for me when we were talking about this earlier is advertisers generally try to spend their budgets up before that takes place because well of, before because of shipping and everything else yeah and it's not just e-commerce this is also brands don't forget that if you've got a you know men's perfume sorry aftershave I've got to get it right cologne cologne that's it men's cologne brand what do you what do you call it <laughs> I don't know like 
I don't use it, but <laughs> no. But what, what would they call it in the UK? They would call it cologne. Aftershave. Aftershave. It's like the old on your cheeks stuff. Okay. It always makes me think from the 1970s, you know. See, we have we. I mean, I I guess I guess aftershave is the same thing as cologne. I'm, I'm cologne. probably driving somebody crazy. It's at cologne. This point. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're driving Answers crazy. on a postcard, please, uh, people. <laughs> But if let's say you've got a you you you've got a campaign for that, you've got to try and remind and get get front of mind in the run up to the to the purchase and decision point, and so it's not just your Amazon retargeting money. We're talking about brand budgets. We're talking about just eyeballs. Get me eyeballs before the the holiday season, and then Calvin Klein budget is going to be achieved. You know, and that's. That's what you got to remember is that this is not always about you know click to buy. It's about influencing you over a period of time, and that's really what that's what those ads are all about, guys. What I think is interesting too is if you pull back and you look at the index and you look at the beginning, you know when we started doing this stuff back in mid 2015. So that's where that you can go back all the way then and see how uh, uh, earnings have fluctuated over that period of time, which is interesting as a whole. It's a pretty good linear progression forward. So you can see that, you know, while there's ebbs and flows uh, mm -hmm. from a seasonal standpoint and a market standpoint, uh, generally ad uh, earnings are going up across the board. And that probably speaks to what we all know, which is programmatic and digital buying are increasing um, and likely will continue to increase. Yeah, and, so, and since the, the integration of desktop um, and mobile by, I think particularly by Google was the big one, wasn't it? When um, instead of, I think, it was, was it on ad? I've got shown that I don't really, I've, I'm out of touch on the on the ad side. But when you're buying inventory through AdWords, it used to be that you'd be able to buy it on desktop at, at, or mobile. And then Google said, well, we're going to allocate it on either platform. And so as to sort of unite the the purchase price or purchase decision and make it so it wasn't just all about desktop or all about mobile and then really now the majority of ad clicks are now mobile aren't they so so it's taken a while for that all to shake out because when you're on a big screen you've got a lot of real, you know sort of yeah. real estate when you're on a small screen less so but then the intent levels have changed over time too because people are more you have a higher propensity now to buy on a mobile device than you do on a desktop device from say two years ago. Yeah. So. And what I think is interesting too is uh, you've seen how advertisers have sort of adapted and restructured their entire business around that sort of thing as well. So like, uh, for example, um, you know, early on, whenever things were kind of switching to mobile, um, users largely made a lot less on mobile. But we're starting to see that you know those that that's starting to catch up because you're seeing more and more advertisers kind of focus on mobile because, like you said. Uh, consumer behavior shifting as well. We're, we're a lot more apt to buy things on our mobile phone than we were in the past as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's been, that that has been an interesting, it's been a very interesting week so far. It's been good hanging out with Ohat. And if you haven't listened to it, guys, go and, go and have a listen to uh, He He doesn't share any of the dirt, though. It's a shame. I, I was hoping for you some Larry Page stories. Now, now you've reduced the number of people that want to listen to that show, John, because <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to listen to the Google show and see how much he's going to give away. What I did think was interesting, though, he does share quite a bit about um, basically how Google thinks about um, their products and account managers yeah. and partners and things like that, which I think probably a lot of public... I mean, it is if you're a larger publisher that, that earns a large portion of income from ads on your site... 
you do reach this point where you're like, well, what, at what point do I actually get to talk to somebody from Google? Or at what point am I going to get yeah, you know, some true. personalized service? And I think he kind of lays it out in a way. He doesn't give you that number, that magic number you're looking for, but he does kind of lay it out in a way that makes a lot of sense and kind of gives you some yeah. uh, some direction around that. It's, it's a big old business. Five, <laughs> 550 billion market cap, something like that. Yeah. Good old Google. Anyway, we love so, it. What I, one of the things I thought uh, has been really interesting here here lately, John, is that we've seen um, the market almost seems to be uh, almost divided uh, on w- one kind of aspect. We talked about trends earlier, um, and that is you've got these you've got publishers that are uh, you've got some that are larger news sites, and then you have publishers that are, just happen to be more savvy uh, as it relates to the ad side mm-hmm. and. Uh, they, they, they're thinking very forward. They're thinking about things like header bidding and uh, e- even on to solutions that are maybe even beyond that potentially in the future. But then you still have this large group of publishers that, are, that aren't there yet, that, mm-hmm. that their core competency is not you know, ad units and tags and things like that, that are still using uh, you know, maybe basic ad tags, maybe using a waterfall methodology or something like that. And uh, I think one of the things that's been talked about a lot recently is, you know, how, do, how does the industry as a whole bridge that gap to where you provide, um, you know, if you're Google or something like that, how do you provide a solution for everybody, you know, because you have these these publishers over here that are very advanced, you know, and then yeah. you also have these publishers back here that really just want to make great content and they really don't want to be as focused on their uh, – all the all the ad stuff. It is a it's a it's a conundrum for them because they, you know, when you've got millions of publishers, what are you going to do? Employ hundreds of thousands of people to look after them, or you've got to give them information or tools. And you're right, you know, setting up your own header bidding will take you quite a bit of time if you're going to do it yourself. Um, the solutions are getting easier, and in fact, things are moving very quickly because you know. People are now talking about that server-to-server stuff that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it was a big thing in the news today. We were kind of talking about a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, where the calculations or the bids are happening uh, on the server side rather than on in the page. So then you don't have the latency problem. And that, you know, that that's a good idea. And that's obviously how we've tackled optimization because we all our calculations on the Zerk stuff as to where what, what ad combinations are being loaded, that all happens server-side. So all that makes sense. Um, the answer is not, it's not an easy one for Google or, or indeed um, for Facebook. You know, we don't really talk about Facebook that much, but they, yeah, it's interesting. they, they do have an audience network. Um, and, you know, there are, there are so many um, uh, supply-side platforms, um, you know, uh, DFP management and yield management businesses that are out there that will say, hey, we'll help you do that. Um, how, how do you sort the wheat from the chaff? That's the that's the thing, and I guess really that's our that's our job here, sitting here to try and uh, look at the different alternatives and to try and do the reviews. And uh, that's something I hope that with the content that we produce, people can get a handle on it. It's no easy answer. Um, really, focusing on the good quality content and doing all the best you know best practice white hat techniques to get your audience engaged and then to um, look holistically at how much money you're making from each of them and are they enjoying the, the content looking at the engagement all of that stuff really should be that should be all second nature to people who are producing and making money from from ads um, the ad stuff really you could spend a ton of time 
um, learning how to t uh, set up DFP and to manage the demand for your inventory in, in ad exchanges and and then blending in the header bidders. It's, it's a tough one, you know. Uh, it's one of the reasons we kind of do what we do is to make it easier. I think it's interesting because the industry as a whole, if you look at it, like you just mentioned the server side thing, which I, I don't want to get into it too much because I ha you know, I was actually just reading more like kind of in detail a little bit more about it this morning. Um, and I know you probably are a little bit more familiar with it than I am. But what's interesting is uh, so you have people saying saying, well, you know, header bidding's gonna be dead and I mean this is just from the article. So I'm not <laughs> this is not me saying this. Header bedding's gonna be dead in a year and we're gonna do this server to server stuff. And um, you know it'll only extrapolate from there. Meanwhile, you have a very large portion of publishers that are large, that are you know good pub pubs that are out there that that still have very little familiarity with header bidding. They yeah. they may be familiar with the concept, they may be familiar with the name, but I mean we we were had a big event a couple months ago, and very few publishers there were even familiar with the idea of what header bidding was. And yeah. so, how does the industry as a whole support you know these two different types of consumers? And mm -hmm. I, I think you know it kind of goes in conglomeration with the subject we talked about in a couple podcasts ago when we talked about the complexity of the ad tech industry in general. And yeah. you know, we always see ourselves kind of sitting above that kind of ad tech space, but you know that space is supporting two very different audiences, right? Yes, and they are. I mean. I would say Google's AdSense platform probably solves the majority of a, a small publisher's needs um, with the text ad, you know, the link units and the display ad units. Uh, then people sort of progress into ad exchange. But yeah, there's, um, you know, what is it that can be done to keep people up to date and educate them super quickly. It's not that much. Because if you think about it, header bidding's only really been about for a year, pretty much. Um, it's taken five years for ad exchanges to sort of catch on and so that people know that they should be thinking about real-time bidding instead of, you know, um, ad network loyal, being an ad, ne ad, ad network loyalist. And now you're becoming an ad network generalist and you, you're listing all your inventory on an individual impression basis. And then, you know, if header bidding is going to be uh, pushed aside by exchange bidding from Google, that's their new product going to come out yeah. in the next couple of months. And they're talking about, oh, that's going to be a server-to-server -server thing. You've got Amazon, who this is Amazon CPM network called A9. They have got their server-to-server -server stuff lined up. Uh, AppNexus is saying the same thing, and there's going to be some sort of affiliation of header bidders that are going to make it all. And it is, it's super, it's super complex, and even big publishers who get pitched day in, day out are struggling to keep up. So I, I do think that there's a, a, there's a market here for the aggregation of information and to say, look, I don't want to have to reinvent the wheel because everybody else is having to do the same thing. If you think about it, you've got publisher A and publisher B. Publisher A is trying to solve exactly the same problems as publisher B. Why don't they just, you know, pool resources? Or yeah. why isn't there a technology that can bring in all of the technologies together in a, in a unit? And I think it's one of those things where, uh, over time, what we've seen over and over again, like you just mentioned, is that... Um, 
spending the, spending all of your time trying to figure out this space. If this if that sounds intimidating to you, which it it does to to me to a certain extent. But when you really take into all of it, I mean, we're we both live and breathe in this space, and there's things that we learn every day. Yeah. Um, having having the ability to um, spending all your time focusing on that is ultimately going to not yield a ton of results. Spending a lot of your time focusing on your site, um, growing it, pushing great content out there, which has kind of been the advice of people like, you know, we, we've touted this for a long time, but even people like Google have talked about this for a very long time. So all the major voices in the industry keep saying the same thing. Publishers should focus on making great content and sharing that content with their users and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think something probably more in the vein of things that are worth concentration at this point um, if you want to worry about something that's going to ultimately, you know, a technology that's going to improve your site, it's this, uh, we talked about a little bit with OHAD, it's things like AMP and uh, progressive web apps and things along those lines. Basically, how you deliver this, your content to your to your user. So as, yeah. as opposed to focus on ad stuff, focusing on content stuff and how you deliver it to users in an effective way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a full-time job for many people to stay on top of this on stuff on behalf of the their employers who might have some huge size that can support this kind of thing but if you're uh, a small team or independent operator then it's uh, I would say it's almost impossible so things like amp you know John if you are a uh, if you're a publisher which I guess kind of in some ways you are you you know is part of the organization there's a bunch of sites that yeah we have um, that we have under our roof um, at what point do you say I'm investing in AMP, right? So we've talked before a little bit about how uh, the monetization of things like AMP are. It's like it's not necessarily that you're going to make less money or you're going to make more more money. It's just that there's not enough data to really say if you're going to be able to come out ahead at the end of the day from moving to something like. So where where do you start? Like if you're if you if you have a great site and you don't have any pages that are AMP yet. When do you say I'm going to invest in this technology? That, you know, quite honestly, Google is very honestly pushing. So yeah. where do you go? And they they are they are very well invested and well ahead. This isn't something that's going to go away. They they want people to adopt it. I'd say soon. I mean, I hope that's not too much of a you know dodging the answer, but it's got to be it's <laughs> soon. Gotta be, it's got to be soon in the next month. Uh, I mean, it, it feels it feels like the right time. I mean, it's 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 definitely a judgment call because um, I'll be honest here, kind of go off kind of script on the on the Google stuff. We have found that like for like revenue, AMP versus non-AMP, you actually are making slightly less money on on AMP. And not to tell the Google line, but yeah. Uh, that's right now. Right? That's right. This is right now. And but if you remember, and everybody's got short memories in this industry, back in sort of 2013, 2014, when you know so-called mobile geddon was coming, Google gave everybody a lot of time, and they said, "We're going to make an algorithm change. You better make sure it's mobile friendly. Here's a tool to check to see if you're mobile friendly. If you don't know how to go mobile, this is how you do it." And for a time, there were some publishers that were saying, I'm not going to go mobile friendly because I'm going to make less money. And it's because they were making money from the accidental clicks when people's thumbs were accidentally clicking on an ad rather than a... And, and also mobile rates, because the advertisers hadn't piled in yet, mobile rates were lower than desktop. And that's why Google made that change that I talked about earlier, where they kind of... Uh, brought together desktop and mobile and made it, well, just traffic. Um, so there's that sort of t- 
time where there's a change coming and you will may have to take a, a short kind of hit on your mobile income but the flip side of it is you're going to get a much 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 faster site you may make less money per session but over time that may be make, made up by having slightly more traffic because you could go you know no matter what google say faster sites do get indexed more or whether it's they, an they amperage the signal that's un- unacknowledged or it's uh, yeah. just the fact that your site is faster so so pragmatically this is what i suggest right now which is to make the amp version available to google's index so the google bot when it comes and says i i am looking for an amp page do you have one for me yes i do you then become indexed for it you can do that without having to turn all of your traffic straight over to AMP. So you can become indexed, and then you can basically slide in over time. That's what I'd say. That's a pretty smart strategy, John. Uh, yeah, it's just one we came up with a few days ago. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be the right, the right way of doing it. We're, we're pushing out the first of the AMP um, kind of people in through the AMP converter, like right now, like this week. We did, you know, a few tens, tens a day. I think, um, you know, they're going into the pipeline and then they're being, um, you know, converted. But watch the space. We will definitely do an app follow up. Yeah. Like let's say. Yeah, four we'll weeks. bring we'll bring all head back on. And we'll maybe talk about it in greater detail. We can we can share some numbers as well. I think it, as long as we anonymize it. Um, I think you know, it'll we, be good. we ran something the other day because we have an application on top on top of our platform that allows uh, publishers to convert. Uh, a person or their page is too amp, and then they can also uh, kind of converge the amount of traffic they want to send through, and all all these. Long story short, we looked at the average page load speed time for the pages before they were converted, and then after. And everybody knows the amp pages are like instant, so once they were amp, less than a second page load speed. But the average time before that was around eight seconds. So, I mean, that's kind of right around that death number that Google says that after nine seconds, the bounce rates go up, you know, exponentially. Well, you've got to be careful as well. When you're looking at, at uh, page load speed, it depends which tools you're using. So there's um, like GX Metrics, and there's the Google one as well, which is the, um, just type in Google page mobile friendly tools. Yeah. Yeah, and um, what you've got to be uh, what you've got to be careful of is that some of those tools will measure from the very first element of a page to load to the very last. And if you're uh, you know if you if you set things up in a smart way, particularly for mobile, you will want to have some things deliberately lazy loading. So stuff at the bottom of the yeah. page, you know the the Twitter icon at the bottom of your page, that should be loading much later than the stuff at the top of your page. Yeah. And so while that eight seconds sounds really, really, really bad, what you want to be looking at is actually the bounce rates and that you know time on site page views to visit. You want to be looking at the results. Why do we want to make a page fast? We want to make a page fast because we want the users to enjoy it more. So those are the metrics just as much as the other ones. So. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We talk about that quite a bit, though, um, because, you know, let's say, you know, a tool tells you that your page load speed is 10 seconds or 12 seconds, something that sounds yeah. really intimidating, but let's pretend then your bounce rate is zero, you know, um, you know, or 1% yeah. or something like that. Are you going to really be worried about page load speed? Well, why would you be? Because your users are obviously page load speed, time and site, session duration, yeah. all those kinds of things. Um, uh, those things, if they're those are positive, then those metrics 
you know those kind of trump the the, the whatever that that figure amount is for page load speed, right? Yeah, it's the tr it's the trend. Looking at the trend of bounce rate over time, because obviously nobody has a zero percent bounce rate, but we want people to be so for that page that they're looking for. So let's say they're coming from Google search, they type something into their phone, they come to the page. That intent compared to what they're expecting, let's say, that is the thing that we want to be addressing. Like, have they got what they wanted? And that's, I think that's why Google's obviously been preeminent in the search space. They give people what they want when they search. Yeah. And if you remember what search engines used to be like 10 years ago, it was, I guess it was still Google, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They've been around, they've been doing this a long time and they're yeah. good at it. So. Yeah, you can yeah. you can kind of date. That's kind of how you know if somebody's a hipster or not. Is you can ask them like, what what search engine did you use before Google, and you can see, oh, I used Northern Lights, right? <laughs> Alta Vista. DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Uh, you know what? It's interesting. We still, I DuckDuckGo is still available. It's still a search yeah. engine that's out there that people yeah. use from time to time. Yeah, that's right. That's when I was when I was in college, we actually had I actually had a class on how to use a search engine. Because they had all the different things you could do to search differently, right? You could put things in quotations or parentheses and things like that to get different results. Talk about the most worthless class you could ever take <laughs> in your life now. You know what I mean? Oh, man. No, I, I've never had a class online. It's weird. Thinking about it, I, I probably should have. <laughs> just, Never done it. Just nothing but military background. This yeah, that's right. That's the only training you need for life. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for this space, though. I think. Yeah. I, I think we've proven that so far. We've got, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ohad when we had him on the show, he yeah. mentioned that he used to be an Israeli paratrooper. So I think he's, you know, very done very well. There in are this quite space. a few of us that made that transition across. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's complex and convoluted as the space can get. Sometimes I think it's probably a good thing. Yeah. So John, that, that kind of covers a lot of the things that we we you know we, going into the show you know we just kind of said hey we want to talk about trends. Uh, obviously, we had the ad revenue index that we talked about at the beginning. That was kind of like our big story this week, and we were just kind of like dealing with like tons of what I would say is really positive feedback, and then lots of questions that people have about the data and things like that. So mm. seasonality, um, seasonality I, I mean, I can guarantee it in the next two to three weeks everybody's going to be interested in seasonality all of a sudden. And that's why I wanted to do this happens. podcast now is I wanted yeah. to, I wanted people, well, obviously people are thinking about it a little bit now because everybody's going, I'm making so much money right now. Yay. Or hopefully you're saying that. If, yeah. you're, if you're sitting there at home going, I'm thinking ad rates are down. Hey, check the index and maybe figure out what else is going on. But this is kind of the hot time and uh, we are getting ready for, I mean, there's no, there's. I'm sorry to say, be the bearer of bad news. There's a drop a coming. Yeah, the holidays aren't much fun normally. Everything, everything slows down. <laughs> so uh, we want to talk about trends. We did that. We talked about the ad revenue index. So it's adrevenueindex.zoic.com, where you can just type in ad revenue index to Google. It's the first result. Um, and then we got to talk about some of the more long-term trends, things like yeah. uh, mobile, kind of how it's changed things over time, uh, the trends inside of the industry moving from waterfall to header bidding. And then we also got to talk about like AMP and progressive web apps. So that's a lot of... That's a lot of stuff, but that is kind of how quickly everything changes in this space. So. Yes, and it does, and it's almost on a weekly basis sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Head of bidding, oh, you know, that was so 2016. Um, it, uh, I, I'm amazed how quick, but of course that's technology for you. Technology yeah. is going to, like, everything's designed there. I notice now when I go from 4G to 3G, you know, 
in the old days we were just happy to have a signal yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah I think uh, it, it speaks well to your point that you made earlier about you know publisher A and publisher B as opposed to trying to everybody try to work everything out on their own uh, I mean it really is it, it, it's tough to keep up on all the technology in this space and so to be to try to stay on top of it and focus on it and make alterations on a weekly basis to your technology to try to you know, make a couple extra bucks. Ultimately, that could be a bad investment in your time. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Awesome. Well, John, um, I don't know how, how much more we're going to talk to our listeners before the holidays. So the next time we'll talk to them will probably be after after the drop. Yes, the break. Whatever that's you right. Call it. So when everyone's drowning their sorrows, we'll be there for you guys. We'll we'll come back on and we'll we'll talk about it some more. We'll, we'll try to have a cheery subject next time. Maybe we'll talk yeah. a little bit about how to deal with the uh, seasonal blues. Yeah, deal with the seasonal blues and actually do some planning for the new year because... You 2017 know, is a big year. It's going to be a big year, it's guys. It's your year. Yeah, we, actually, I've got a list of things that people should be doing, you know, when they when they have a little bit of spare time and they're not... Instead of worrying about your ad rates, we've got some stuff that you can work on. So on the other side of the holidays, when you're making those New Year's resolutions, you can flip on the podcast and John will we'll take we'll go through the list one by one. Yes, we have a bucket list for you for 2017. All right, guys. Next time on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you.